You're listening to a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Lacey, and I'm the Allied Health Education Fellow in the RCH Education Hub. I also work as the Tutor Radiographer in the Medical Imaging Department of the Royal Children's Hospital. I'm excited today because I'm here to talk to two of my colleagues from the Children's Hospital Medical Imaging Department. So we have Amanda Podomo, who is a medical physicist and the hospital's radiation safety officer. A big part of her job is to make sure that the radiation is used safely and optimally within the hospital. Basically, to put it simply, she's the radiation police. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks, Steve. Our second guest is Stacey McMahon. So Stacey is a senior radiographer and also the supervising radiographer in theatre. She's very much the theatre police in this case. And she's been working in the hospital for the past eight years. Welcome, Stacey. Thanks. Amanda and Stacey are here today to talk about all things radiation, but more importantly, the safety aspects and how we protect ourselves, our patients and our visitors in the hospital environment. Right, so Amanda, let's start with you. Can you just give us a quick rundown on radiation, so what it is and where it is? Yes, absolutely. Well, for starters, we have what's called natural background radiation. So this is radiation that we're exposed to just by living in Australia or anywhere in the world, really. Um, And we receive this background radiation from a few different sources. So firstly, we have what's called terrestrial radiation. So this is from the soil and the rocks around us. We also have internal radiation, so this is from inside our bodies and the foods that we eat. Oh, like bananas. Yeah, exactly. So bananas have potassium-40, which is a naturally occurring radioisotope, so they're slightly radioactive and lots of other foods are as well. But don't worry, they're completely fine to eat. I actually had a banana this morning. Oh, great. Uh, So it's okay to keep putting a banana in my kid's lunchbox then? Yeah, of course. Um, We've also got what's called cosmic radiation, which is radiation coming from from space, from the sun and the stars. Uh, And that's why the pilots and the astronauts get radiation dose. Yeah. So living at sea level, uh, we have a lot of atmosphere between us and the radiation from the cosmic radiation. So it absorbs a lot of that radiation before it gets to us. But pilots or people that live in mountains and things like that, they have much less atmosphere between them and the cosmic radiation. So they can get a bit of a higher dose. Mm -hmm. And we also get a bit of radiation from a gas called radon. So all in all, we get about one and a half millisieverts a year. So millisieverts is just the unit that we measure radiation in. So just like we measure weight in kilograms, we measure radiation in millisieverts. So in Australia, we all get about one and a half millisieverts of radiation a year. And is that a lot of radiation? Actually, not at all. There's lots of places in the world that receive much higher levels of background radiation than us. And we haven't even seen health effects in those groups. Okay, so we know about radiation in the world now and and what's around us, but what about in the hospital? Because we obviously have other sources of radiation in the hospital. Yeah, so we do use radiation in the hospital. So radiation is really good to see inside the body. And in medical imaging, we use it in areas such as x-ray and CT. Okay, so can you just give us a bit of a rundown as to how much radiation is in these types of areas? Yeah, the radiation amount varies significantly with the type of modality that you're using, so whether or not it's X-ray or CT and the kind of procedure that you're looking at. So some X-rays can be just a few hours of background radiation, whereas some CT scans can be up to a year or two of background radiation. Right. So now we've established that the radiation dose in X-ray is really, really low. Yes. Uh, Is it just the patient that gets that radiation exposure? No. So when the radiation hits the patient, so we shoot the radiation at the patient, some of the radiation goes through them and some of them gets absorbed and that's how we get our images. But what we also get is a whole bunch of radiation splashing off the patient. So I like to think about 
about it like pointing a hose at a trampoline in summer, in beautiful Australian summer. Some of the radiation goes, some of the water goes through the trampoline, some of it gets stopped by the trampoline, and then a whole bunch gets scattered back into your face. So anyone that's around that radiation source will get some sort of radiation exposure. Okay. That trampoline is a really, really good analogy, I think. Um, so Stace, what about the patients and the parents? So sometimes they stay in the room with the child during the x-ray. What do they know about the radiation? To be honest, when they come, they often know very little. And if they do know anything, it's very outdated information. And it often comes from when they've had an x-ray in an adult hospital. So a big part of our job is explaining that the radiation dose that their child will receive today and them from being in the room is super, super low. Okay, so I know from watching Superman that lead stops x-rays. How about the lead aprons? How do they come into the hospital environment? Well, because all or majority of our patients that come to the children's are 18 or under, um, and a lot of them are very, very young, it's much easier for when they come for an x-ray if they have a parent or a guardian with them in the room while they're doing the x-ray. It helps calm them down and often gets them to cooperate much easier with us. So... We've always put lead aprons on carers or parents while their child's having an x-ray because that's just the way it was. But hang on, we've just established that the radiation dose is super low. Yeah, it is. It's super, super low. And you can see why this really affected our work as radiographers when we're trying to explain to a parent that the radiation dose that they will receive as scatter dose from their child's x-ray is super, super low. But then we're asking them to put on this five kilo piece of lead apron. That sounds a little bit counterintuitive. I agree. So uh, that's kind of why I went to Amanda with the question, like, do we really need to put these on parents? Yeah, and this was nothing I had ever considered because, as Stacey said, it's just the way that we've always done it. But just because it's the way we've always done it doesn't mean it's the way that we should be doing it in the future. Great. So we've got a low radiation dose. That means we just have no more lead aprons, right? (laughs) Not quite like that, Steve. We did have to do an investigation first. Of course we did. So tell me about that. Well, first of all, we needed to work out how much radiation a parent or carer was actually getting in the room if they weren't going to wear a lead apron. Don't worry, didn't use a real patient for this study. (laughs) I did try and sacrifice my child, but um, it didn't work. (laughs) No, we used a physics patient, which is not a real person. Um, And then we measured the maximum radiation dose someone would get if they were standing right next to that patient for each of the different x-rays that we do in our department. And so at what point did you decide then whether or not someone should actually wear a lead apron? Yeah, so once we had the radiation doses that someone would receive by standing next to the patient, we had to decide what we thought was acceptable, which was actually the hardest part of the project. So we work on what we call the ALARA principle, which is stands for as low as reasonably achievable. So we, wanted, we need to keep the doses as low as reasonable. So the question really was, well, what is reasonable in this situation? So obviously we can put a lead apron on everyone all the time to get the dose super, super low, even more lower than it is at the moment. Mm-hmm. But is that actually reasonable to get someone to wear five kilograms on their body to stop a tiny, tiny amount of radiation? Well, I guess it's a good workout, but uh, not for me. Thank you very much. Exactly. No one actually wants to wear that much weight on their body. So after long discussions between myself, the radiographer team, our director, we decided that it was reasonable that someone standing in the room to help the patient have their x-ray will allow them to get up to two microsieverts before we had to put on a lead apron. So anything more than two microsieverts, we'd put on a lead apron. So... 
how did we actually get to that particular number and how much is that exactly? So we got to that particular number for a few reasons. Uh, so the main reason is because it's still a negligible radiation dose. It's really, really, really low. So for some perspective, it's the same as 30% of a flight from Melbourne to London. Oh, so we get more radiation dose from flying to Europe. Yeah, three times more. And that's just one way. You still need to get back. At two microsieverts, it's also the same amount as eating 20 bananas or if you yourself were a patient and having two knee x-rays. The two microsieverts, it was also a number that was easy for the radiographers to explain to the carers. Yeah, two microsieverts is the same amount of radiation you'd receive in 12 hours just from living your life in Australia. So it was just so easy to explain that you would receive more radiation for the rest of the day hanging out with your kid. Yeah, well, that sounds really fantastic, but we're still using the lead aprons in general x-ray in some cases. So, uh, Stace, can you just tell us about that? Yeah, so we still have to use lead aprons for some x-rays that need a bit more radiation. So the thicker the body part, the more x-rays you need for this. And this normally is with older patients who usually don't actually need a carer to stay with them because they can follow instructions and stay still. This also is for some studies that need multiple x-rays that we ask the carer to put on a lead apron for those as well. So is there any other time that you put a lead apron on a carer? Yeah, there's loads of other modalities within medical imaging that use more radiation than x-ray and that's CT and fluoroscopy. And so we have to put a lead apron on a parent or carer in those situations. Okay. What about if the carer is pregnant? Yeah, of course. We have to ask everyone in the room if they're pregnant. Yeah. Okay. So what about other hospitals, Amanda? Like, do they do the same as we do here and should they do the same? No, it's definitely not in every hospital and it really is up to each institution to decide whether or not it will work with their clinical workflow. But since the study, we have had a couple of hospitals adopt the same procedure as us, but there are definitely lots of places that are still putting lead aprons on everybody. As part of our procedure, we have a couple of posters in the waiting room to let people know that they may or may not need a lead apron so it doesn't come as a shock when they don't get a lead apron put on them, whereas when they've been to another hospital and they have had a lead apron put on them. Um, And it also says to ask the radiographers if they have any questions or concerns or if they want to wear a lead apron anyway, because if someone wants to wear a lead apron, we're never going to refuse that, even if it is below the two microsieverts. It should also be noted that you will still see staff wearing lead aprons, even though the carers don't have to. Oh, why is that? Because the care is only there for their child. So you come in, have your x-ray and then go home. Whereas radiographers are stuck there every single day, day in, day out, doing lots and lots of x-rays. So that really, really low dose, so that little 12 hours adds up over time. So it doesn't become a small dose for them if they didn't wear lead aprons. Yeah, okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. Now, Stacey, I personally know the answer to this question, um, but has this actually helped with the clinical work? Yeah, it definitely has. It has really helped us because parents are now not confused when we explain that the radiation dose is super low and they don't really worry about it anymore. It also has become a lot easier because lead aprons are not the easiest thing to put on. So the radiographers used to have to dress parents in the lead gowns and it became very, very difficult when there's only one parent and a child. You can't leave a baby on a table while you're trying to dress a parent. Yeah, absolutely. So overall, this sounds like a raging success. Uh, Amanda, any complaints? No, none at all. And you're right. It has been an absolutely successful project in our clinic. (laughs) The only complaint from the radiographers is that we didn't do it sooner. Yeah, fair enough. I love this. 
Uh, okay, so I'll, I just want to shift the focus a little bit if we can. So most people would know that when a patient's too sick to come down to us in medical imaging, that uh, we have a mobile x-ray machine that we take up to the patient and we can do the x-ray at the patient's bedside. If someone is needing to be close to the patient when they're having that x-ray, do they need to wear a lead gown? So the normal rule for x-ray is that if you're more than two metres away, you don't need to wear a lead. And that's a normal rule that's applied everywhere. Uh, so this project was looking at if you have to be closer than the two metres away from the x-ray. So for most hospitals, you'd, you'd have a lead apron put on you. At our hospital, we apply this, this rule and see whether or not you're going to get more than 12 hours of background radiation. Okay. So our rooms are pretty big. So does that mean that anyone in the room next door is okay to stay there? Yeah, so the, the rooms next door are completely fine. It is really only looking at the people that are within that room because they, they're the only ones that have a chance of being closer than two metres to the patient. Right. Just use the radiographer as a guide for wherever they're standing. Don't yeah. stand any closer. Yeah. <laughs> we wear a badge that monitors our dose, so, you know. Yeah, absolutely. We're obviously the ones who know what we're doing. Uh, one more scenario that I've got uh, before we finish up. There are also x-ray machines in theatre for surgical cases, uh, and we typically refer to these as image intensifiers or IIs. How much radiation is actually coming from those? They've got more radiation than an x-ray, but less than a CT, so middle of the road in medical imaging. Okay. Staff in theatre, are they required to wear lead? Absolutely. Firstly, I don't think there's ever a carer in the theatre room during a procedure, so we're only worried about the staff members who, as we have discussed, are around radiation all the time. At our hospital, we have an in or out rule in theatre. That is, you're in theatre with lead or you're out of the theatre. Mm -hmm. It's also important that staff wear the right type of lead apron. So there's some that look like a cooking apron where you just have lead at the front of the body. The problem with that in theatre is that people walk around and they can have their back towards the radiation yeah. and that means that they're actually getting irradiated without any protection whatsoever. So we don't want that. So we like to have a vest and skirt two-piece apron which wraps all the way around the body to make sure that the person is protected doesn't matter where they are in the room or which way they're facing right and Stacey as a theater supervisor you obviously work in the theater uh, what are your experiences about staff wearing the lead in theater <laughs> most of the staff are very good at wearing lead all the time we have had incidents where staff decide that only one part of the lead piece is more important than the other um, or they decide that they'll stand behind the radiographer. So sometimes the radiographer used to have four people standing behind them and <laughs> you can imagine, I mean, I'm 5'6 and I've got someone who's six foot tall standing behind me so half their body's not protected or we have these lead screens that are now the it thing to have. Yeah, right. And, and, and I'm, I've actually seen a photograph of a radiographer standing there with about five or six people standing behind them. So, Amanda, I'm actually guessing that's not very good practice. No, not at all. And I'm very disappointed to hear this. They really do need to be wearing the lead aprons properly for all cases that use radiation um, because, as I said, you do, you're with radiation day in, day out. So if you're not wearing the, those lead aprons, you're not protecting yourself and you're going to get a, a non-negligible dose. Great. Uh, look, Amanda and Stacey, thank you so much for your time today. We've really only hit the tip of the iceberg as far as uh, medical radiations is concerned. And of course, you know, knowing me, I could talk about this all day long. Can each of you just give me two take-home points for anyone listening that might have to come in contact with medical radiation during their work? Amanda, we'll start with you. Yeah, well, for me, um, I'm happy for people to walk away with one of two schools of thought. One is 
I don't have to worry about the radiation as a parent and my, and or a carer coming in with my child because I know that there's experts and we have it in hand. I'm very happy for people just to not be concerned about it at all. Or the second one is if you do have concerns or questions, do not be afraid to ask. We're, we have experts in all different areas in this hospital and we're always happy to discuss any concerns with anyone at any time. So the only thing I don't want is for someone to be worried or concerned but too scared to raise that and have a discussion with our staff. And Stace, what about you? Um, well, one of mine's don't ignore the elephant in the room. Just wear full lead whenever you're in theatre. There are more important body parts than just your gonads. <laughs> so, you know, cover everything. Um, and also just... To let everyone know, we're currently, we reached out to all PEDS hospitals in Australia and New Zealand, and we've got everyone on board to do their own study. testing, yeah. study, yeah, yeah. <laughs> research on what essentially what we did here. We gave them our um, blueprint and we said, can you go and do this in your own hospital? Obviously, every hospital has different equipment. So um, we're really looking forward to see what comes back from them. Um, so yeah, hopefully that's within the, by the middle of the year. Uh, great guys. Thank you very much for a great discussion about radiation. The publication for the investigation can be found in the journal of medical imaging and radiation oncology under the title, do carers and comforters require lead aprons during general radiographic examinations. I also just want to give a bit of a shout out to uh, Trent Wilkie, who also assisted uh, quite a lot with this particular investigation, like along with Stacey and Amanda. And if you'd like to discuss any of these concepts or would like to implement anything similar in your own organization, please contact Amanda at amanda.podomo at rch.org.au. Amanda and Stacey, thanks again very much for your time. You're welcome. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for listening to Conversation with the Experts, part of the Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast series. <laughs>